This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.
And welcome to Broad. Broad would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands that we broadcast from, the Kulin Nation, and pay respect to all Kulin elder women uh, from the past, present, and those women who will be our future elders. We'd also like to acknowledge with respect the traditional owners of all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander lands that we broadcast to. Pay respect to all elders and women elders from all clans and nations, past, present and future. So yes, welcome to Broad. Uh, That was Riff Gordon. Have a good time from the Hidden Figures soundtrack. One of the many different songs and pieces of music that are just awesome from that amazing film, which I'm picking to get Best Picture, I think, next week is um, D-Day or Decision Time. So let's hope... um, that happens. That's just my own personal opinion. Anyway, um, I want to welcome a whole heap of awesome people tonight. Starting off with, we're going to be speaking to this amazing character. Yes, Justin uh, Tillicker, the King of Queens. It's a special show. We've also got Christina in here too. Uh, we've got a lot to talk about there. And their new show coming up at the Butterfly Club and more. We'll also be chatting to uh, Mila Sanova from Huddle Design. And actually, Jane Connery from Broad Designs will be talking to her about the work that she's doing in design and women in design. And we've also got even more coming up. I mean, my goodness, what a show tonight. We've got Lara Nichols from the um, Australian National Gallery talking about abstract women in Australian art. Should I say abstract women's art? That could be cubist, couldn't it? Um, Whatever way you look at it, it's amazing. And it's coming soon to Geelong. That's right, not to Melbourne but Geelong. So regional parts of Victoria are doing really well, getting a lot of uh, awesome exhibitions. Which, uh, Speaking of which, I'll be speaking to Gary Hilberg later on about Tracy Moffat and uh, his work together, the video art that they do. And um, that's it. That's the end of the show. I hope everyone enjoyed that. There you go. It's done. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> that was fun, wasn't it? And uh, so anyway, to start with, welcome uh, to Broad. Your second time on Broad, Justin Tulika. Thank you for having me, Sonia. <laughs> it's been a long time coming. Yes. Yes, it has. <laughs> I've been waiting be, for this date. <laughs> it's been full of puns. Shall, shall I, can I see that? Can, shall I leave the room? No. <laughs> oh, definitely not. No, we need. I need chaperone. Okay. <laughs> or maybe, maybe Justin needs the chaperone. Yeah, I think Justin so. needs a chaperone, actually, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, we've got one of Triple Bypass's stars. Yeah, baby. Hi. Hi. <laughs> this is my first time on Broad. This is really cool. Yeah. I like yeah. being guest. A guest is nice. You didn't say guest. We said guest. All right. Guest, yeah. Now, um, Triple Bypass, what's that about? Just briefly. I Triple know. Bypass is the only bisexual uh, show on the only LGBTI Q plus radio station in mm. Australia. So mm. we talk all things bisexuality, pansexuality, queerdom, um, women's stuff, um, sometimes mm. men's stuff because bisexual men are probably not represented well at all. Mm. Um, that that's is true. Every Tuesday night at 9 pm. And um, I know. Yeah. It's sort of like, um, you know, if you were on a parallel universe, there would yeah. be Broad and there'd be you and yeah. all those other shows that are on 9 yeah. pm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think we're the best. Yeah. Yeah, and broad. Justin's been on triple bypass because yeah. he's bisexual. Yes, Justin's bisexual. Yeah. Kristen, who's Justin's alter ego, is, is a lesbian. So that's always that's very interesting. A lesbian woman playing a uh, bisexual man. Yes. Mm. Keeps me on my toes. Yes. <laughs> so what's happening, Justin? It's been a while since we've had you on, a few months. Yes. King I've, of Queens, what's this all about? Yeah, I decided to put on my own cabaret show. Oh, yeah. As uh, you do. You know, jump, out, jump on the big, you know, number one, I guess, the stand and go, hey, 
there's a drag king in town and he's ready to entertain you. So I got a team together and I'm trying to, uh, I guess, bring king and queens together mm. to put on shows um, that say something about the world that we live in today. Mm. So we're putting on a show about the X-Files. Well, it's not so much about the X-Files. It's kind of using the X-Files universe. Yeah. Yeah, mm. I think to talk about refugees and their plight here in Australia and overseas. Mm, that's interesting. And, and leaders. And leaders. That and aren't really leaders. <laughs> we call them leaders. Orange faced. Yeah. Mm, idiots from another <laughs> plane of existence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I believe. I don't know if you watch American Horror Story. Do you yes. follow that? Did you hear the news that there's, they're going to be doing their next season seven? I believe it's season seven or season eight. Anyway, they're going to be doing it on um, the topic of the election. Oh, really? Brilliant. Just Trump here, I'm telling you. That's going to be so cool. Mm-hmm. That's going to be it's so gonna cool. It's going to trump all the others. Uh, oh, <laughs> I see what you did there. It's a royal really... flush. <laughs> but the scary thing is they won't have to write much no. into it. It'll already be no. scary yeah. enough. Yeah. You yeah. know? Pretty much. So is this going to be scary? Are people going to be freaking out when they go and see this? No, they're going to be laughing their asses off, hopefully. Mm, good. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully. hopefully. And hopefully take something away with them funny. that they can really sink their teeth into when they get home. Yeah. I mean, mm. you know, we're not shy in, in tackling some of the um, the issues that, that we in this community and in Australia have mm. very close to our hearts. Uh, equality and yeah. um, you know, women not being um, disparaged or discriminated against for any reason, or anyone being discri- disparaged or discriminated yeah. against. Mm. So, mm. I mean, that's what I have to say often to people who don't understand what feminism is, and they go, "Well, you know, I'm believing equality and stuff like that." And I said, "Well, that's what it is." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually, <laughs> pretty much. Like, oh, that's what it's it is. Just treating everyone exactly the same. Exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. but different. Yeah. <laughs> same, same, but different. Yeah. Yeah. So, how long did it take to put this together? Like, this seems to be a project that has appeared. Yeah. After you've been doing so much yeah. around town, around yeah. Melbourne scene. I kind of just, I think it, it was around November last year mm. when uh, we sort of approached the Butterfly Club and mm. was like, we have this great idea and let's put on a different show every month with the different drag queens oh, and kings so around be Melbourne. every month? Every month there's a different show. Wow, are mm. you like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pooping my pants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not literally. No, not right Metaphorically now. Metaphorically speaking. Yeah. Probably sometime in the future I will be pooping my well, pants. Well, the X-Files <laughs> is perfect. You could be. Yeah. And it could be an alien abduction in it there too. Yeah, grab you the know. evidence bag and... <laughs> <laughs> the gloves on. Yeah. So you're going to be dressed up. I mean, I love the poster. We'll have to put that up on the Facebook page for Broad. Um, you both look, I don't know, familiar yeah. to people who know that genre yeah. of X-Files. So where did you get the outfits? Is it the easiest cosplay ever? It is yeah, the easiest really. cosplay ever. It's, it's yeah, having awesome. red hair and putting on a suit, basically. I know. Yeah. Scully. Scully. I keep wanting yeah. to call you Scully. Well, you can, because that's the compliment of all compliments. Yeah, and the it beard for be. me was just super easy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> doesn't wear a beard. So. Yeah. 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 Oh, he didn't he in the mo- one of the movies he does, because he's lost it. Yeah. Are you going to do that too where he loses the plot? He does lose the plot. <laughs> does bit. Justin lose the plot? Uh, Justin is Mulder. Oh, okay. Yeah. We don't want to spoil point. it. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, no. So drag king culture, for those who don't know, what can you tell us about it? What can you tell us? Um, for those... make it, What makes it unique? Unique. Mm. Um, well, it's definitely around in Melbourne. A lot of people think that it's it's not. There are events that 
happen around Melbourne. Kong's Kings, for example, is a big, huge event for mm. um, drag kings to come together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's very rare that drag king and queens come together, so I'm trying to sort of bring that but scene But you did together. that last year, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, I, I did, did that with, with the Dragnet competition mm. that I was doing, but I was the only drag king. Yeah. <laughs> How does it feel to be in a room full of frocks, basically, <laughs> and you're... You have to be the, you're the dude. Yeah, I kind of keep a little bit quiet, keep to myself. Okay. Uh, listen very carefully and nod and, mm. and then occasionally, you know, jump out and, you know. Use some of that male privilege. Yes, <laughs> use some of that male privilege. That <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't get anywhere else. <laughs> all due respect. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> oh, shame. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's confronting, but I think I, I know how to handle it. Mm. Yeah, Justin can pretty much hold his own in any situation, really. Mm. I mean, because he's he's sassy enough and charming enough and sexy enough to just sort of go, "Hey," and everyone goes, oh, "Hi, Justin." So, mm. so you're not our token drag king, no drag man. No, there are others around. <laughs> there are, yeah, but we've never had. I mean, you're it. You've been it for us on Broad. Mm. You know, I feel so and lucky. People say people just go, "Oh, swoon." Um, back off (laughs) don't objectify them leave them alone yes they are pretty do like (laughs) Justin does like the swoon yeah I do so where can people go because it's it's a good idea to know where where this is all happening I mean we know the butterfly club Mm. but what are the dates and um, you want to take this one Christina sure Christina's the expert on management (laughs) oh everything Uh, the 25th of February at 10pm is when we're on which is this Saturday night. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> this Saturday night. I know. It's so close. It is extremely close. Extremely close. Uh, that's theatre though. It's like, I, yeah. it, it, you know, we gave ourselves the challenge of uh, writing a different show every month and putting it together and getting the music together and choreographing. Mm. So it's just been this massive like trip on a roller coaster that hasn't quite ended yet and mm. you know that if, if you look down you'll freak out so it's just yeah, looking straight just ahead put mm-hmm. the blinkers on keep going go. and mm. after the last show which is in april i will probably have a mental breakdown um just putting mm, that out no there. it'll be great we've already gotten through <laughs> one of the four we have we have this is yeah. the second of the four okay cool so this is once a month mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep and 10 p.m is a good time is it like I guess people are just going out or waking up, as my case is. Yeah. I'm usually getting out of my coffin about that time. Yeah. 9.30, you yeah. know, sun's gone down. Yeah. Although the, the lately the weather's thrown me out because I, know. God, I had to get up earlier. I know, and it's going to be like 32 <laughs> on Tuesday. Are you kidding? No, it's going to oh, heat up again. Oh, my goodness. It's wrong. Mm. Um, yeah. Yes, so where can people go to find out more? They can jump on Justin Tillicker's Facebook page, which mm-hmm. is just Facebook slash Justin Tillicker, which is T-E-L-I-Q-U-R-E. I try not to laugh every time I hear that. It's Justin Tillicker. We also have an event, obviously. So if, yes. you, if you just type in Justin Tillicker on Facebook, um, if you Google Justin Tillicker, it will come up. There's not many. There's not many Justin Tillicker. No. There, <laughs> there's but just there's, one. There's just the one. Just so. one. Just, just one. one. Just in one. Um, so, yeah, all the details are on. I mean, it's splashed across mm. um, the interwebs. Yep. So all the details are there. And But if you really, really just want to go ahead and book a ticket now, just go straight to Butterfly Club, which is www.thebutterflyclub.com. Yeah. Yep. We'll put that on the broad page, too, for you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Book some tickets. It's, it's a fun night. It's an empowering night. It's um, very accepting and 
Yep, and this month we have three queens. We do have three queens. Enigma, Pablo McFagface, and Atlanta Dusk. <laughs> yeah, that's a great name, Pablo McFagface. Atlanta Dusk. Yes. Oh, well, I don't know fabulous. what that means. She's just <laughs> I want to find out. Yeah. <laughs> and we have our returning dancer, Catherine Innes, who um, mm. oh, yes. fans of Justin Tillicka will know is one of her, uh, one of the Leggettes. Yes. <laughs> Not a look out. A look at. Yeah. Oh, look out. <laughs> I should have done a warning for, before the show. Yes. Okay. Well, no, that's great. Look, thank you so much for coming. It's short and sweet tonight because we're yeah. just a full house. Yeah, of, it looks exciting. Fullness tonight. <laughs> art and all sorts of art and pleasure and pain and performance and all yep. good things like that. Pain thank can you. be good sometimes. Yes. It can be. Yeah. Can we say that? Yeah. Consensual. We can. Consensual pain. Is of course. Absolutely consensual. Well, thank you for coming thank on, you Justin Tillicka. Thank you. And thank Thank you, Christina. Thank and you. all the all the best for what's coming up for awesome. Butterfly Club. Keep us in you know, keep us informed. We will. We'll Thank do. you so all much, those Sonia. Things. No worries. All right. This is broad here on Joy ninety four point nine. Up next we've got Jane uh, Connery. She'll be chatting to um, Mila Sanova about some broad designs and women in design. This is broad on Joy. Bianca from the Girlfreeders. What does feminism mean to you? Feminism for me is creating equality for all humans across the world, regardless of circumstance, and not keeping anyone down for whatever reason. Broad Designs is women in design, the politics, the art, the women, the designs. Jane Connery is your host, talking to female designers about design, Broad Designs, on Broad Joy 94.9. And welcome to Broad, this part of the show. It's with Jane Connery. It's Broad Designs. Well, I'll let you um, get started. We've got a fantastic guest here, Milis. Uh, yeah, I want to welcome you to Broad first Thank you. time. Lovely to be here. Thank you. Great. Right. Thanks, Sonia. So this is Jane Connery on Joy 94.9, and this is Broad Design, where I talk to women about their work into, for, and through design. This week I have a special guest, as Sonia mentioned, live in the studio. This is my first live guest, yay, Uh, who is the founder of Huddle, a firm which focuses on strategic design for the 21st century. She is a thinker on a global scale and on a mission to design for good. On her impressive LinkedIn profile, she declares, through the use of human-centred design and complex systems thinking, I believe we can rethink and redesign the organisation's structures and ecosystem that underpin society. My life's work is to create the mechanisms that allow us to manifest meaningful realities for ourselves and each other. Welcome to Broad Designs, Melissa Nova. Thank you. Good to be here. Melissa, the role of design is in a state of rapid evolution. Design doesn't just make pretty objects anymore. Your work involves community development and disruptive strategy. How would you describe the type of design that your studio is involved with at the moment? Um... Mm. So our uh, approach to design is, um, it's made up of three parts, I would say. So the first one um, is very much about systems thinking, which is um, being able to see things not as um, point solutions, so an object or an interaction, but to see them as a, a connected bunch of things, so as a system. The other bit is um, about human factors, which is very much where we um, we gravitate towards, and that's having a very pure um, a human focus and designing for people 
in all parts of that ecosystem, not just the customer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the design component, which is, um, I guess, it's our uh, methodology of choice in that um, we believe that what comes with design um, is really suited to the complex challenges that we're facing in the world because we're dealing with ambiguity and, and that sort of thing. So design being creative and iterative and action-oriented helps deal with those types of problems. And it's big design, isn't it? It it's is big little design. design. <laughs> yeah, it is. So we refer to the, the types of challenges that we deal with as super systems. Yes. And um, that's why, you know... Uh, in our business, there's a really big focus on uh, anything is possible because when, nice. you're, when you're thinking about changing super systems, it's like, really? Can you actually change a super system? But you absolutely can. I like the positive thought that you can yeah. too. I think that's great. I read that you've said impactful design is not just an intellectual activity. It is an activity that requires all of you. We often forget that it takes human collaboration to create design. What role does diversity have in creating impactful design? Mm. So um, there's a, there's a really um, uh, important reason why we're called Huddle, actually, and that is that um, we believe that it takes um, multiple perspectives to solve the problems that humanity faces at the moment, that you can't just take a bunch of um, engineers, for example, to solve an engineering problem for people. Um, And so the way that we uh, approach design is very much from that viewpoint of being um, completely diverse, not necessarily in terms of the way that we talk about diversity, normally in terms of gender and that sort of thing. In fact, we seem to attract more women than we do men. uh, so we have the reverse sort of challenge Problem. to the one that you're interested in. Yes. Um, uh, but also in terms of experiences and mindsets and, and life experiences and qualifications and, you know, skills, mindsets, knowledge sets and, and all of that sort of thing. So um, then we need to create a way of working and a way of viewing the world that actually withstands that friction because you do have multiple perspectives kind of struggling with those challenges mm. and so the gems come from the pressure yeah absolutely with that friction. the tension yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so you've recently finished a book called this human congratulations thank you i'm very jealous <laughs> it was quite an undertaking as i said to you just before yeah. when we were having dinner with a friend i know probably a couple of years ago now mm-hmm. i was contemplating starting a phd and you were contemplating starting a second one but i know <laughs> I think that was a moment of insanity. I'm glad I didn't go down there. <laughs> a cocktail or two. Yeah. <laughs> but of the book, brand guru Marty Newmeyer has said that this book, that this is a book you can treasure, savour and revisit at every stage of your creative life. It creates a dialogue on people rather than things, designers rather than design. Can you tell us more about your book and how it might relate to people who wouldn't necessarily call themselves designers? Yeah. Um, you know, I wrote uh, from the place of human-centred design um, because that is what I know the most about. Um, but the book is actually about what it takes to be the person who's designing for other people or what it takes to be the person who wants to take an idea and bring it into reality. So just recently, um, my son, Cooper, who has helped with some of the illustrations that I did in the book, um, took the book to school to his teacher And his teacher um, passed it on to the principal and the principal read it over the weekend and said, this dovetails beautifully into education. 
And so it has a very broad readership, but the, the position from which I've written it is coming from my knowledge base, which is around human-centred design. And um, I think we, we really do need support, um, as in humans need support, to be able to bring something that they've got in their minds that they're really passionate about, that they want to bring into, the, into reality and have impact around what it actually takes to be that person. Because mm. it's not easy. And sometimes you get uh, you get blocked very early on, yes. and so that's what this book's about. It's about trying to support those people. And what about wanting to design something? It doesn't have to be big, does it? It can be little. Absolutely. There's this huge thing like of memes on on Facebook of life hacks. You know, just yeah. things you can do quickly and efficiently. Does it yeah. sort of? speak to that as well yeah absolutely and I think you know we, we sometimes talk about the um the micro is the macro oh. yeah <laughs> reversing everything that's right <laughs> so big system change can happen from tiny little steps done daily great great okay is there any other things in the book that you would like um our listeners listeners to know about or start thinking about when it comes to design um it's not necessarily when it comes to design I think um what I what I really hope the book will enable is in anyone who gets a hold of it to actually believe that they have a way to be able to make any scale of change in the way that they believe they can and want to. And um, that if they're going to go out and do something in the world that is going to have a, a positive impact on their community, they might as well make it great. You know, they might as well think about it. They might as well do it meaningfully. They might as well follow a process that supports them in making sure that it's as good as it can be. So it's it's not just for designers. It's really for anybody who wants to do something great. Great, I like it. That defining design is that broad and being able to apply it to your life. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time tonight, Melissa. Your Absolutely. big design thinking and focus on social good is very inspiring. You can head to the Broad Facebook page to find more information about Melissa's book, This Human, as well as links to downloadable podcasts of all the Broad shows. I'm Jane Connery, and you're listening to Broad Design on Joy 94.9. Perfect. I even turned my mic on. That's awesome. Thank you. It's a fascinating book. And what you're talking about, the micro is the macro. Yeah. And vice versa. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. The micro is the macro. Yeah. 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 You know how that, were were that a, are we we still on? Yeah, yeah, we're still on. Okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I was reading uh, the gut book which actually talks about, I know this sounds a bit weird, but actually talks about, you know, obviously, how the gut works. Mm. And uh, she was taking um, the reader through the levels of scale. And the levels of scale that exist in our universe, beyond the way that we... Comprehension. Beyond mm. comprehension also exist in your gut. Digest that, people. <laughs> So at that point, I was like, oh, my God, when we talk about super systems and making massive Mm. change, it's actually those tiny little steps that we do every day actually make up that super system. They're not separate things. So that's why we say the micro is the macro. Mm-hmm. I didn't think that was going to be the message of this evening. But it turns out that <laughs> I it think was I just heard your mind get blown up. Uh, it got burned. <laughs> it sizzled there because I remember doing anatomy and physiology, going off on a tangent, of course, and <laughs> studying the human brain. And I was just, yeah. by the third page, I just fell over. Yeah. It was just too much. Yeah. I mean, it's great. It's yes. just, but it's. Yeah. 
Wow, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And still we don't know a lot about it. Yeah, yeah we don't. Yeah. I spent some time studying the human brain. Mm. And uh, I got to a point where I, I was in a bit of a conundrum because was, I was thinking we are using the thing mm. to try and understand the thing. The thing. <laughs> so yeah, it was like yeah. an eyeball kind of trying to see itself, you know, without a mirror. So I was just like, hmm, I'm not sure whether or not we're ever actually going to get to the bottom of this. But I think maybe just make an animated thing about it. Yeah, (laughs) that works. (laughs) Worked for the gut. (laughs) But don't they say that your head, your heart and your gut all kind of interrelate too when it comes to thinking and design and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. You know, your intuition, your gut has just as much sort of impact on your mental thoughts yeah and that is actually what i am referring to when i've said um impactful design is not just an intellectual activity Mm. it requires all of you it actually does require all of you your intuition your imagination listening to your body what is your body telling you about the situation Mm. that you're in and we often make design a very intellectual activity you know a process or a framework or a method and it's much more than that it is. It is. Wow. Um, have we already found out where we can go? Yes, we Your have. Website? We've yep, done that. It's all oh, there. Okay, cool. Yep. Thanks, Facebook James, page, in charge. Yeah. I'm in charge. We can keep talking if yeah. you like. <laughs> we have other people to hear. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on, Broad. Absolute pleasure. That's, that's it's a great cool. program. Thanks, Jane. Thanks, Sonia. That's Broad Design, and we will podcast this um, yeah. Soonish, okay. As soon as I'm capable, <laughs> there you go. As soon as my brain stops um, doing that, yeah, macro micro. <laughs> or was I thinking macaroni and cheese? I'm not sure. But anyway, yes, please. This is broad on Joy ninety four point nine. Feminism is just something that I feel has always been a part of my life. Mm. It's the way that I think and the way that I feel about the world. I recognise that we don't have equality. We aren't treated the same way as women. I think it's a terrible thing for all of us. I think it's a terrible thing for men and it's a terrible thing for women. And so divided by gender. The result of that, and or maybe the cause of that, is oftentimes that we look down on women and that we see women as lesser or something other, something unusual. So feminism is an important part of the world to kind of recognise that we don't start out equally, that we have different kinds of privilege and different kinds of yeah. reasons that our lives work the way they do. This is Broad on Joy 94.9. That was Sophie Hyde talking about our feminism, fabulous Adelaide-based filmmaker, Australian filmmaker. And thanks again to Milis Sonova for chatting to her book, about her book. We'll put uh, the rest of that on the Facebook page for Broad on Joy 94.9. Remember, you can message us too if you wish to. Very easy to do. Uh, you can SMS 0427 Joy 949. You can phone 1300 Joy 949 or email on air at joy.org.au for your opinions. Or if you're a designer, a woman especially, or you know somebody who is a woman who um, does design, um, let us know. And uh, we'll always be interested in um, chatting to them and maybe showing some of the work on, uh, you know, on the show as such, having a chat. Always good to talk about and to celebrate and, and support women in those areas. And up next, I've got an interview, a fabulous interview with Lara Nichols. She's a curator of something called Abstraction, Celebrating Australian Women Abstract Artists. And it runs from the 25th of May, so starts this weekend, to May the 7th, and premieres at its only Vic Victoria venue, State of Victoria here in Australia, at the Geelong Gallery, and then it's going touring nationally. And uh, the curator, Lara, I was lucky to talk to her. She um, works, of course, at uh, the National Gallery of Australia, so it's a fabulous um, 
exhibition from all accounts and we look forward to finding out more about it and wish it well on its next, I believe, two years of touring around the country. So a great chance for people in Geelong at the Geelong Gallery to check that out from this Saturday 25th. This is Broad and this is the interview with Lara here on Joy 94.9. Okay. When you're ready, thanks. I'm Alison McClure. Okay. You ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm Alison McLean, and this is Broad on Joy 95. Sorry, you have to tell me that again. 94.9. 90, 94.9. 9. 9. Okay, 94.9. I'll try that again. Okay, okay. thanks. This is Alison McLean, and... I'm sorry, I'll say again. <laughs> I'm Alison McLean, and this is Broad on Joy... FM. Perfect. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. This is Sonia for Broad on Joy in 94.9, talking to Lara Nichols, and it's something called, well, it's a part of an exhibition happening at the Geelong Gallery, Abstraction, Celebrating Australian Women Abstract Artists. Starts 25th of February, runs to the 7th of May. So welcome to Broad, Lara. Thank you very much for having me, Sonia, to talk about um, our exhibition, Abstraction. Yeah, excellent. So, yes, Lara Nichols, curator of this wonderful exhibition. And uh, what else do you do? You curate... I'm a curator at the National Gallery of Australia. Good. And we have... um, A significant part of our work is actually travelling exhibitions because we have this national collection which the whole nation owns and not everyone can come to Canberra to see the works and they're not always on display... So, you know, an important part of our charter is to take the collection out on the road and tour it to far-flung yes. places all over the country, you know, to Western Australia, to Darwin, to Queensland, Northern Territory, Victoria, you know, all the sort of southeastern states as well, and Tasmania. So it's a very big part of our work. Mm. And this exhibition is part of that scheme, which is supported by the government, um, mm. which is um, the Travelling Exhibitions Program. Mm. So it's show will open in Geelong. That's our first um, first um, venue for the show to be exhibited in. And then it will move on to four other venues after that. Excellent. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about the exhibition? Yes. Yeah, so it's been um, two years in the making, this exhibition, and mm-hmm. all of the works are drawn from the collection of the National Gallery of Australia. So the National Gallery of Australia has the country's best collections of abstraction, not just Australian abstraction, but international abstraction also. And this exhibition, we decided to do a sort of a grand sweep, surveying the importance of this tendency in 20th century and 21st century art, and to particularly draw out um, the women artists who have contributed in this field. So the earliest work in the show is the 1925 work by Margaret Preston, who, you know, everyone will know Margaret Preston. And then the most recent work is actually an Indigenous woman, um, Louise Malavi from Kununurra in Western Australia, and that's a 2013 work. Um, There's 74 works, sculptures, works on paper, prints, paintings, um, and 38 artists, women artists, are represented, seven of whom are Indigenous women. Okay. Um, the story, yeah, so it's quite, a, it's quite an in-depth but also a very broad survey of the contribution that women have made to abstraction in Australia, which is really mm. quite meaningful and that, you know, in many respects they were the leaders um, in abstraction in this country. Oh, excellent. Well, about time. <laughs> Timely as well, I guess. It's interesting. 
think at, mm. at the moment there's sort of this revival of interest in women abstractionists and I've noticed overseas a couple of shows have come out, mostly solo shows about women who have perhaps been less and who have been obscured in the art historical narrative. But there has been quite an interest in Denver in America. There was a show on abstract expressionist women artists from America. So there seems to be something in the air. People are kind of, you know, working in this field a lot more at the moment and it's you know just a serendipity that our show is coinciding with that um, growing interest. Cool that's really good. Now has there ever been an exhibition of this caliber before and do you have any idea why it's taken so long for something like this to come into being? Well look I think there hasn't been a show that does this really broad survey of women artists. There have been shows about abstraction in fact the National Gallery of Australia have done exhibitions on abstraction and there has been individual exhibitions about particular you know protagonists within that that genre Mm. but no one I don't think in Australia and I could be corrected and it'd be great if I was and no one has actually looked at surveying the contribution of a broad group of women artists to the field so I think Mm. we possibly breaking new ground and as for why this has been it's there's probably a myriad of reasons, but often the male artists tend to sort of be the dominant names, I suppose. Mm. And so, you know, for example, when we think of abstraction in Australia, we quite rightly think automatically of artists like Tony Tuxon, for example. So they're often, you know, they're sort of much more substantial, but their work sort of um, sort of dominated the consciousness, I suppose. And we'll think of an artist like Ian Fairweather as another example, and then the really strong geometric abstractionists from the 60s. Yes, and so it tends yeah. to be the male names that, that stick. But the other reason is that abstraction as a whole has been considered kind of niche in a way. Well, artists have practised in it, but in Australia we, we're quite conservative so we sort of shied away, I suppose, from it as an art form. Mm. And then during the sort of 80s and 90s, figuration became really strong again. So I think it's just a, it's a timing thing. You know, now there's this resurgence of interest in modernism and then, of course, abstraction comes after that. Mm. So I, I think there's a sort of a timing factor involved there too. What's been the time period for putting this together? About two years, mm-hmm. um, maybe a bit longer As a curator, what happens is you tend to mull over ideas for quite a while, like you'll be playing with a concept and an idea, and then you'll start to look at the works that will support that idea or are worth illustrating that concept. And Mm. that period is often can be, you know, ages. It might be more than a year or two. But essentially, I started thinking through abstraction um, back in 2013 or 14, I think Mm. it was. And then I distilled it into the women abstractionists. So it's, you know, it's taken, it's a three-year project, really, if you think about it, yeah. Oh, excellent, cool. Now, uh, do you think there is a distinct style that makes the artworks Australian? And uh, to that end, can that be seen, you know, as also as a woman's art? Do, do you think that's evident in the, in the work? Look, it's a tricky question to answer I guess yeah. the I realize now it's tricky I'm, as I'm thinking I'm going no no it's a good question yeah. to think through the obvious Australianness, if you like I suppose would reside in the indigenous works of which mm. there are seven from different communities um, and different language groups but the interesting thing about abstraction is that artists tended to fall in love with it because it had this sort of universal language right. so geometry is a universal language it's not at all to do with nationhood or anything like mm. that mm. and they're artists they're really distilling the complex ideas of the world 
and they choose abstraction to do it, or they're distilling things that are fleeting and invisible, like weather conditions. You know, we have one painting in the show about wind, and that's a wind that occurs all over the world. It doesn't matter whether you're yeah. in Australia or England or wherever. So just inherent in its, its very being, um, abstraction is the universal language. Mm. And many of these artists in the show um, have actually studied and travelled overseas, so they were absorbed in those that milieu of work and that really breathed life into their practice in many ways so i it's interesting it's it's kind of probably the one non-national art form you can lay your hands on mm. but then of course when we get to indigenous work um, there is that you know very intrinsic connection to country mm. you know yeah. it's indelible it's so entrenched in uh, the artist's relationship to country that it has that Australianness. I think you see it in Indigenous work too. I think the, mm. the women's painting is is in a different emotional space than the the men's painting at times as well. Right. Yes. Um, not to have a hierarchy in any respect. No, no, of just, course not. <laughs> no. It's just an observation about the, yeah. the subjects that they're drawn to, and I guess the dreamings that the women. Um, are custodians of and, and, and the things that they will pick out of those stories, I, I guess, maybe from a just different perspective. Uh, maybe um, too, it's the matrilineal aspect too of culture. So mm. it's that original driving point, perhaps. I'm just, you know, thinking of the... Mm. Uh, thinking of that experience. The exhibition has work by Emily Cam Nawari as an Indigenous artist. How important was it to include her art? And what can you tell us about her work in the exhibition? I'm, I'm trying out this thesis, so I may be wrong, but I think there's a truth. There's some seed of truth in it. Mm. And my feeling with Emily is that prior to her arrival on the art scene in capital cities, because of course she'd been practicing for a long time before suddenly her paintings were known in Sydney, Melbourne, and mm. around the world. Prior to that, it, abstraction was considered quite niche. So yes, institutions would collect it. Yes, certain collectors would collect it, but it was kind of like um, it wasn't mainstream. It was, uh, you know, revered and respected, but a lot of people were probably a bit resistant to it because there was this feeling that, you know, and perhaps in the general population, that unless you can grasp what a painting is about from looking at it straight away, there's sort of a kind of slackness to the artist. You know, they haven't actually been realistic or you know, there can be that sort of sense running through it. In fact, in the 40s, there was a group that were the Antipodeans who were anti any sort of abstraction coming out of America and wanted mm. to assert figuration, for example. So, you know, in many respects, the abstraction was by and large collected by the cognoscenti. And so it was a bit mm. niche. And I, I think I'm right in saying that, in Australia at least, not overseas necessarily, but in Australia. But I think what Emily did is she actually opened up abstraction to a far wider audience because her work had this immediate appeal. And even if you'd never walked into a gallery before or you hadn't collected art um, or you weren't even that knowledgeable about art history, there was something in her work that you responded to mm. and you were interested in. And, and she was, you know, she became a rock star of the Australian art world and internationally. And her works were admired, you know, in all, in many, many different spheres of life. And she had, you know, a range of important exhibitions and she was collected by people who potentially may not have ever collected art before. So I think her legacy, there's many legacies, but one of them is that she opened our eyes to thinking about 
abstraction and how you can distill the environment and the world into a, an image that's not realistic, that's not representational as such, but has a deeper meaning residing within it. Mm. So I think I, I think that's why it was very important to include her. Mm. And I'm you know, very grateful that we've been allowed to travel a really important work of hers mm. from 1991. Well, look, thank you so very much for speaking to us, Lara Nichols, here on Broad That's on Joy 94.9. Thank you, Sonia. Thank you. To Broad on Joy 94.9. Joy is an independent community radio station that runs on your support. Why not make a tax-deductible donation? Help us keep broadcasting the voices that matter to you. Make a tax-deductible donation anytime online by clicking on the Donate to Joy link at joy.org.au. Too easy. All donations over $2 receive an immediate tax deduction in your 2017 tax return. The Summer of Joy, Joy 94.9. Yes, it still is summer, somewhat, here on Broad on Joy 94.9. I think it's only 16 degrees, but we can live in, in hope there, Jane. Yeah, it would be nice. What's <laughs> it supposed to be tomorrow? Do we know? 16 degrees? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's well, like be, a weather person. It'll be snowing, Sonia, trust yeah. me. And thanks again to Lara Nichols. We spoke to her earlier in the week about abstraction, celebrating Australian woman abstract artists. We'll put the link on there. It's going to be at the Geelong Gallery starting the Saturday, the 25th. Of February and goes all the way through till March the 7th and then goes on tour. And basically this has taken up five years of her life. Is that normal? Uh, maybe Jane? for her it is. <laughs> I think it's fantastic how yeah. all that art is travelling regionally. Sonia, mm. we were talking about that before. And we miss out on the cities, but, you know, we can't have it all. It's we a, had it all for years, didn't we? It's a short train trip. It won't kill is you. It? Yeah. Well, I hope not. <laughs> but, yeah, look, so Geelong. Good on you, Geelong. And um, up next we have got Gary Hilberg talking about working with Tracy Moffat, the fabulous Australian artist, and uh, something called this uh, fantastic exhibition that's going to be at Sam Shepparton Art Museum um, from the 28th of January. It's on now, and it runs through to the 19th of March. It's called Tracy Moffat, Gary Hilberg, featuring montages. It's called The Full Cut, 1999 to 2015. So um, have a listen to that. Do you know much about Tracy Moffat or Gary? Hilberg? No, but I know that, again, this regional art gallery mm. thing, you take a whole weekend. You go and do a bed and breakfast a road trip. and hang out. It sort of makes it a cultural a experience trip. for the, the whole weekend. We had somebody called Brad. Uh, fantastic. Thank you, Brad. He is now a member, I believe. Or he's just sent in. He is a member. But he sent in saying, something saying loving the tunes and the chat. Cool. Yeah, Brad. Thanks, Brad. All right, um, here's Gary Hilberg talking to us here on Broad on Joy 94.9 about that video work with Tracy Moffat on now at Sam Shepparton Art Museum. This is uh, Broad on Joy. This is Sonia, and this is Broad on Joy 94.9. And tonight we're speaking to a gentleman, Gary Hilberg, who's involved with... um, Something to do with Tracy Moffat, now a wonderful artist, and we like to talk about women artists on the show when we get a chance to. I want to welcome you to Broad, Gary. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. So um, what's the name of the, the exhibition? It's, I believe it's just going to Shepparton in Victoria at the moment. Yeah, it, it, uh, it's, on a, it's on there now. It goes until March the 19th. Mm-hmm. The exhibition is called The, the, the Full Cut, mm-hmm. and it's the, it's the eight 
uh, video compilations that I did with Tracy between 1999 and 2015. That's that's huge amount of time to be working yeah. on something <laughs> with someone. Well, yeah. Well, well. The, the the thing is, we're um we're very good friends, mm. and we we knew each other for a couple of years before we embarked on this. I'd um I. I went to film school a hundred years ago, and then worked as a film editor for about twenty years in the in the film industry. And for amusement, I used to put together pieces from feature films and television for my own music, own amusement, uh, accompanied by music. And Tracy saw them and thought, "Well, let's try and do this kind of thing together." And that was in 1999. And we we started well, just to see what would happen with a piece called Lip which is uh, sequences from feature films involving uh, black maids giving their white mistresses a great deal of attitude and grief. <laughs> and it was difficult finding the pieces, but we did it, and it went really well, and it, it's been shown everywhere. And it, it, it was to accompany an exhibition of hers called uh, Laudanum, uh, which was a series of si- a similar theme um, which, which she'd done the previous year. And uh, so the, there were the photographs and then there was, there was the video. But in subsequent subsequent videos, it tended to have been on their own rather than accompanied by a, by a, a new collection of photographs by her. And mm. it, it went really well and it's it's gone really well ever since. Yes, no, Lip is the one that's a real standout for me. And um, I think, yeah, definitely with the racial tensions and the dichotomy between class as well and what we'd loved these characters in these old films to have actually said. It's quite well, indeed. Yeah. You know. Indeed. It, it's interesting that they are, for better or for worse, these, these kind of themes are always timely, it mm. seems. So what was the driving force of putting this together? Was that yourself and Tracy deciding that it would be good to, you know, put them in a collection that does get exhibited in one go? Well, yeah. We... we the last piece we did was at the end of 2015, which was called The Art, mm. and that was commissioned by the Sydney Art Fair. And we we hadn't done one for a while because we, oh, I don't know, we hadn't exhausted it, but you, you do want to move on to other things eventually. So we did that, and then there were a series of um, uh, functions that we had to attend as part of that. This was up in Sydney, of course, and we were we were approached by... Uh, the senior curator from Artspace, if we would, if we would have the complete retrospective, because all all eight had never been shown in together, together. before, mm. and um, and we agreed to that, and that that opened in uh, June last year at Artspace in uh, in Sydney, terrifically well well presented. They they really pulled out all the stops. We had we had a it was shown on a large screen in in one gallery, and then. On eight individual screens with with headphones in the in the second gallery, it, it mm. really was a terrific exhibition, and it went very well. And and of course now the 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 touring component of that is uh, is underway now. It's currently showing in Blacktown up in Sydney, mm. and at uh, at Shepparton here in Victoria, and and that was why no one had ever asked us before. And um, of course Tracy Tracy has the Venice Biennale coming up in May. Uh, which has consumed a great deal of her yes. her time and attention. She's been she's been unable to do very much about the uh, the retrospective. So it's kind of been 
left to me to bang the drum, so to speak. <laughs> We're going to say bang it together as well. Um, well, indeed, indeed. You know. Actually, I'm seeing Tracy tomorrow. She's in she's in Melbourne at the oh, moment. Oh, so, um, fantastic! So it'll be a it'll be good to talk about all this with her then. Yeah, yeah. Look. Um, a phenomenal. I'm from New Zealand originally, and I must admit, as an as she is an artist that is, was a huge standout and had quite a popularity uh, following over there because of her daringness oh, yeah. and the boldness and the work that she does. You know, um, in such a little time, always manages to uh, get that message across very quickly and provocatively, which is well, exactly, what's valuable exactly. about her work. Yes. How did you guys meet originally? Uh, this is a, this, ironically um, because we're both. The reason we've managed to do these compilations mm. as well as we have uh, is because we both have we both have really extensive film knowledge yes. and and a good a good memory for for film images. Ironically, I met her in Melbourne in 1996 mm. while playing the silver screen ed- edition of Trivial Pursuit. So I guess it was meant to be, <laughs> and it wound up that everybody else had been had been knocked out, and it was just down to us. Oh, hilarious! Draw, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was quite ironic. And uh, she she was based uh, she was based in Sydney at that point, and then uh, I mm. saw her again uh, not that long afterwards. I was up in Sydney, and we 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 have a great deal in common, like artistically, so to speak. We like the same things. We like the same films. We like the same music. Mm. There's no, it's been an extremely harmonious collaboration. There's never been any terrible disagreement or anything like that. Mm. And her, her ideas are usually terrific. And so it's, 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 a, it's a lot of fun. It's always been a lot of fun. It's never, ever been hard work. I mean, it is hard work, but it's never mm. seemed like that. But that was how we met. And it's, and for, for, Probably ten years of the collaboration. Um, she was based in New York. Mm-hmm. I only ever really saw her when she came back out to Sydney again for uh, for the openings, which were usually at the Oxley Gallery in in Paddington. And uh, but we've we've always been. But since she's been back, I've seen a great deal of her, obviously. But it was um, it was an interesting process. We would it was all conducted over the phone. Really. Yeah. Gosh. Eventually, I think most people realise. Yes, this is supposed to be amusing. Yes, yes. It's yeah, pre-gif. It, it's it's almost like a pre-gif thing. You know, you see gifs now, and you have like those mm. few seconds of something. They remind me of that, but obviously stretched out in time and are preemptive to that. So, yeah, that's um, true. Yeah, be that, that's interesting. That's very true. The, the influences that you've had, to be honest, a massive. Well, yeah. And particularly an artist in, in which I always, I've always found slightly risible the, the the cliche of the tortured artist starving in a garret and being, you know, you know, sort of wounded to their very core by mm. the slightest criticism. Oh. We really aim, we really aim to find the most melodramatic and extreme versions of the, <laughs> the tortured artist in in that piece and I, yeah. I think I think we pretty much covered them all. You pretty much got that I think, yeah. And uh, also for the work that Tracy does too, looking at, uh, well she's always been there focusing on um, Indigenous Australian Aboriginal culture as yes. well and yeah. contemporary um, which wasn't something that was so evident at the time when she was doing those early photographic works in the 90s and early 90s and so on. So... Yeah, that's absolute. That's absolutely true. Mm. Yeah, it, it it was it 
yeah, we weren't exactly spoiled for choice. If we if we wanted to look at if we wanted to look at that kind of um, representation, mm. you you really didn't see it in very many places. No, extraordinary work and a wonderful exhibition. And uh, so it's going to well, it's at Shepparton now. It's at Shepparton Sam. till March the ninth. Yes, Sam. I like that, Sam. <laughs> yes, it, it it's um, it's quite a it's a stroke of luck that they. Mm. That they got those that, that acronym yeah. sort of sounds quite Perfect. good, yeah. and I'm I'm going up there on February the 26th because I I did a I did a forum uh, at Artspace back in uh, July mm-hmm. uh, once the the exhibition had been running a whole month and I'm I'm doing another one which is a Q and A obviously. Head out to Shepparton, mm. to Sam. That's the Shepparton Art Museum because you can see the work of Tracy Moffat with Gary Hilberg. These are featuring montages, the full cut from 1999 to 2015. Yeah, sit there and be dazzled. <laughs> be dazzled and, and maybe question why you're laughing, perhaps. But I think congratulations to the both of you for, for this extraordinary work. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> That's excellent. No, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. This is Broad and Joy 94.9. Thanks, Gary. That was Gary Hilberg uh, and talking about Sam and talking about um, the exhibition with Tracy Moffat, the video exhibition. Fantastic work. Head along there. It's running t- through to March as well. Um, and also thanks to Lara Nichols. Thanks to Jane Connery and, um, of course, Milis. And Melissa Nobles for coming in tonight. That was great. Uh, all right. Yeah, we'll have to find out more details about that and all her work and uh, collaborations. And um, we'll put those on the Facebook page. Although I think you already have. Yes, you? we'll get there. Oh, I'll, I'll, get, I'll get around to the social media Everything eventually. was dazzling tonight. Dazzling, I know. And we've got a message. Thank you, Jade. Hi, Sonia. Hope you're well. Thank you for bringing balance to the force. Oh, that's good. <gasps> that Star Wars reference F? for you. How exciting. And I'm wearing my Back to the Future T-shirt. Hello. Now, up next, we have got Beck with Bite Me Down Under. Yippee. Yay. And I do mean that. Yay. I'm wrapping it up and I'm saying goodbye. Um, I don't think I'm supposed to read out that bit. And next week, we've got Carmen Perez, Cross Fingers, she of the Washington March on D.C., and Cleve Jones. Hmm. You might remember his character was a real person. He's a real person. That was in Milk. And there's going to be a fabulous television series coming soon. So more about that. If all goes well, we'll be playing those interviews next week. Um, the last week of February for Broad, anyway. There you go. You know, and then we're into March. We're marching into March. Marching. Lots of marches going on. Oh, I know. And thank you, Jane, for Broad Designs. My pleasure. All right. So Beck is looking at me, glaring at me in a good way. Yay. She's got a thumbs up. So here's some Bite Me Down Under. Thanks again for listening to us here on Broad on Joy 94.9. Thank you. You've been listening to a broadcast on Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.